0: Welcome back into the studio for what is one of the first, I think, back-to-back days of a Petty's Pod. Super fun. Yesterday, we had Jake Feegan on the podcast talking a little NTBB, but today we are back with Will Franzen, obviously talking about Premier League and just kind of world soccer, just some hot topics going on right now. We got to talk about it. So he's back to talk about it. Super fun episode. Hope you stay tuned in and let's get straight into it. All right, welcome back into the studio. Like I said, it's been a minute since we've done one of these, but it's always fun. We got Will on call as usual. What's going on, Will? Thanks for having me back. Um, so we're just going to get straight into it. Kind of a, uh, Will likes to call it off the record. I kind of like that too. Um, We're just going to get straight into it. Off script. off script. Off script. Yeah. Um, I like it. We're going to get straight into everything that happened in the world of uh, football slash soccer this weekend. So, Will, let's start with the Carabao Cup Final, Man United winning 2-0 um their first trophy in i think six or seven years um obviously um eric ten hogg's first trophy in his first uh six six months here at united so will first of all thoughts on this game um i know you couldn't catch much of it but you know what what did you hear about it and you know overall thoughts on united's performance and newcastle as well
1: yeah yeah like you said i wasn't able to watch large majority of the game but from what i heard newcastle dominated a lot of the game and I feel like that's kind of been the story with Man United all season against good opposition. Is um, a lot of the time, like, the opponent has the ball and they get more shots off, they have more possession, but Man United are just clinical um, and take their chances. And I guess that's what happened again on Sunday, and that's been the story all season. And, you know, obviously, Ten Hag, uh, like, unbelievable things. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he's just. He's doing an incredible job, so uh, yeah, you should be excited if you're a Man United
0: fan. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, watching this, they first of all they celebrated a little too hard, um, but I understand there was there was a it was packed at Wembley. Um, both sides of the stadium was like half Newcastle, half United, and it was all full. Um, so it was fun to watch at the end, even though you know it was a little crazy. Um, but yeah, I, it's really a sign of times are changing at united in my opinion uh well i told you this like a week ago i think they are the team to beat right now um i do i have a question for you in a minute but i want to get my take on united in this game um people want to talk about their spine will of De Gea, varan slash martinez um who have been very good for them very consistent and then moving up to casemiro and Rashford. Uh, I mean that's a insane insane lineup right now and Casemiro has come in and absolutely changed the culture at United in terms of the passion on and off the field um how they play with him defending as well as going forward we've heard Luka Modric talk about how him and Tony Cruz can shift around cuz Casemiro isn't a true 6 really um so he's been really good for them and then Rashford obviously with the uh, consistent goal scoring he's had since the world cup uh, i think that's like uh like 18 and 20 or like 16 and 18 or something like that um so for United it's really good Newcastle on the other hand in this game I'll speak on it because I I mean watching them for 90 minutes they are very good they're really fast on the wings with Almiron and St. Maximum um when they play they're very fast they they can counter really well they have a solid back line um with a couple players deserving deserving to be in the Premier League team of the season with Trippier and um Botman and Nick Pope as well who is out for this game obviously Uh, I don't think Carius was at fault for any of the goals. The second one, maybe he could have done a little better, but not in my opinion. So I think Newcastle obviously was expected to lose this game and given the form of United will. But my question for you, after this game and after watching United for the last couple of weeks and being one of the best teams in Europe, they are in the Europa League. We we should talk about them beating Barcelona as well because that's when things started to change for them. Um, That's a huge win against a huge opponent. Um, And they're not used to winning those big games. So my question for you, Will, is who is the team to beat right now in the Premier League? Is it United? Is it City? Is it Arsenal? Um, And we can go through position by position as well, because I think we might disagree. But uh, who's the team to beat right now?
1: I mean, honestly, I think it would be disrespectful not to say Arsenal. Like, to be honest, I know they went through a rough patch of like three games where they picked up one point, I believe. But, I mean, they're still top of the table. They're still five points clear,
0: I believe. With a game in hand as well.
1: Yeah, with a game in (laughs) hand. I think it's five if they win their game of hand. Right, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, so like like I know like first of all, Man United fans, uh I've seen a lot of them say this has been the best week for their club since Fergie left the club. Um and I know they've won trophies since then, but like it really just feels like the spirit of that team is coming together. And one more thing I forgot to mention about Ten Hag is Ten Hag, sorry. Um There's no manager in the world right now who's better at using substitutions and changing the complexion of a game than Ten Hag. Like, a lot of managers like Pep and and Potter, obviously he's not in that class, but uh, Klopp and Pep have been criticized heavily for the way that you saw over the last few years. And it just seems that Ten Hag, like, I know he brought up on the weekend and he brought on Anthony at halftime versus Barcelona. The way he switches up games and um, like utilizes his bench is really, really admirable. And um, yeah, like I said, there's no one better. Uh, there's no one better than
0: that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Juan Basaka thing was uh, re- really smart from him because St. Maximum was absolutely destroying DeLo. He was on a yellow card as well. Brought Juan Basaka, and I think the thing like that shows Will is that he's not scared to bring a player like DeLo out, who's who's uh, a good player, like has no reason to. Um, get taken out of a game you know in any other game really but you bring in a very good 1v1 defender which is what they needed and he absolutely shut st maximum down in the second half um so yeah but well arsenal or man united what is what it comes down to i think you kind of gave arsenal but uh what, what's the reasoning?
1: i mean on current form man united to be any team in the world but i mean you you have to give credit where credit is due like arsenal have been doing it all season with, with a key player missing, Jesus, who is coming back soon, and that's going to give them that's going to feel like a new signing all over again. Um, and there are some players who are slightly out of form in that Arsenal team, like Martinelli. And I know he scored, but he's been slightly out of form. And Xhaka as well. Um, ben White has been a little iffy as of late, but they're, st- they're still winning games. And, I mean, it's their Premier League to lose, so.
0: I want to talk about I want to talk about that specific matchup real quick before we move on from uh United the United talk because honestly I don't like talking about them, um, but I want to ask you Will I'm gonna go with United as the team to beat right now. I think that you said it; they can beat any team in the world. I think in the Premier League, you look at City and Arsenal. Can they catch them and make a title run? I think yes, but I think I mean when you say that, you have to also remember that. They could win out, but our, our Arsenal have to win, have to drop points consistently for them to get into that conversation. And so to City, um, they are up there though, and I think they can make a title run. But will we can go position by position? Let's do it right now between Arsenal and Man United. My first, my first question is Ten Hag or Arteta? Oh,
1: man, that is. I want to hear your take. That is incredibly tough. I, I think I would have to say. Arteta
0: right now. I would disagree. I would disagree again. I think that Ten Hag's ability to, first of all, recognize what his team needed in the beginning of the year. Because if you remember, will like they got destroyed by Brentford, um in the first or second game, I was like yeah. three or four or something. Um, yeah. And and you, and you're thinking it's just like an Ollie situation all over again. You're thinking it's just like a ragnick situation all over again like oh like this guy comes in we're gonna get a new manager in a year whatever um they pick up casemiro they pick up guys like they find garnacho out of nowhere who's been awesome for them um they pay they underpaid for casemiro which is huge i don't know why madrid let him go like that um i think his ability to recognize what the team needed in such a short period of time and fix the things that they had problems with like the midfield which casemiro has come in he's made fred a lot better as well um who's who's been on great form recently Fred we know that him and McTominay next to each other have been a huge problem for them even last year you could say that was one of the only problems they had last year because they could have done a lot better with Ronaldo scoring goals and stuff like that but he recognized what the team needed he fixed the culture at United um back to winning ways it's the most likable slash like comparable manager they've had since uh, Fergie left uh, and comparable I mean like you can compare him to Fergie in terms of attitude and like winning ways and stuff like that Will so I'm gonna go with ten hawk um, in yeah. this argument
1: I, Yeah, two things. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and uh, Like another thing about ten Hag is the way he's able to like drop certain players but still keep a really good vibe around the locker room and still motivate all his players like he dropped McGuire but McGuire is still like you know, like fully involved in everything in the, in the trophy ceremony, and you know, he looked happy even though he's not playing. Same thing with Fred on the bench, so just the way that he hit his aura like, like, like everyone in that club just seems to love him and, um, and, and really respect him. So, um, yeah, but then another the other thing I wanted to say was. Um, like, when you compare the squads between Arsenal and Man United, I, I would say the talent level is pretty similar. Like, they're pretty comparable. But when I watch Arsenal, to me, they're a lot more impressive. Just like, like they pass the eye test a lot better than Man United. And I kind of got into that earlier when I said, you know, Man United are clinical, and, but they let their opponents have chances and things like that. But when I watch Arsenal, like, they can dominate a game the way City, like, have dominated games the past four or five years, so... That's another reason I'm
0: saying Sarah All right. So let's, let's, let's move on. I want to go, I don't want to go position by position because obviously, like you said, I kind of realized it there, as I was talking about it, it's very even, um, in terms of where the strong points of the teams are. Um, but also when we finish this, like you can't pick a team still off of position by position or whatever, because of the culture that we talked about at United, it's as uprising and stuff like that. And, uh, Arsenal, obviously, top of the league. Their fans are going. Um, Their culture is very good as well. So it, they're two really hot teams. So it comes down to, you know, position by position, really. So I think that right now, Will, I want to go with the back four slash five. You include the goalkeeper. And then we'll talk about the midfield three and then the front three to uh to wrap it up. Um, So I think when comparing them, um, who are you taking? Man United's back four or Arsenal's you got? Um Luke Shaw, obviously on great form, Varane Martinez, great center back pairing, and then you got Juan Bissaka slash the low at right back, and then Arsenal is very consistent, Zinchenko, who's out uh, I think the left back of the year in the Prem, and then Gabriel Saliba and Ben White slash Tommy Yasu, and then Ramsay on the as well. So who are you taking, Will?
1: I mean that's that's so funny, honestly like, goalie, I would definitely go Ramsdale, uh, in my opinion. Um, like, in terms of just defending, I would say probably Man United have a slight edge there. But in terms of, like, overall play, I might just edge it to Arsenal, just because Inchenko is so good going forward as well. Um, but, I mean, like, th- they're, they're the same level, I would say, those two back fours. Mm-hmm.
0: If you asked me this question 24 hours ago, I would have said Arsenal. But watching the back four of United bail them out yesterday, um, when you had Almiron like sprinting down the right wing, and then, you know, Luke Shaw gets beat, Varane's there to cover. Uh, DeLoe gets beat by St. Maximum multiple times. Martinez is there to make a block, or De Gea is there to make a save. So when you look at United, the inconsistency of them over recent years has been a huge criticism. And they now have a spine of a back four slash De Gea to bail them out of games because when they get beat and they're losing a game or whatever, um, not even losing like losing losing a possession and chances created and stuff. You have McGuire and Lindelof and Luke Shaw out of form and wan out of form, and you concede goals left and right. But yesterday you had the attacking players slash the midfield players not top i mean rashford had a knock yesterday he didn't like like i mean there was a moment in the first five minutes where he was going down the left wing and could have kept running but he crossed it very early so you had those guys not looking great anthony was god awful um and then white obviously you know not really going to impact the game uh a lot so and then you had newcastle playing insane so they countered that with their back four and they bailed them out yesterday so i'm going to go with man united there let's look at the midfield three will You got.
1: Real quick, I just want to say, I think Gabriel, the Gabriel in Arsenal, the left center back. I think he's probably the most underrated defender in the whole league. Like he's probably been better than Saliba post World Cup. He might be the best center back in the league um, since the World Cup. Like he's been incredible. So he he should definitely get more props.
0: He's just another guy that in both of these teams you pick out and are like, oh, this guy's improved a lot, partially because he's playing next to Saliba. He's like a friend. Um he's yeah. like a he's like a Luke Shaw kind of because I mean in recent years he's been awful for them, Gabriel, but this that's year yeah, great. he's been great. Yeah, that's a great point. Um but let's look at the midfield three. You got Casemiro, Fred and Bruno with Jorginho slash party with Shaka and Odegaard. So who are you taking there, Will? I mean again very even. Um If if Bruno plays in
1: the middle with Casemiro, like Bruno, Casemiro so i would probably oof, that's so tough i'd probably just edit. with eric eric and bruno casemiro for me is better than Oigard guard Shaka.
0: yeah i agree um
1: yeah, but just just
0: yeah i agree i mean on I mean, these are both teams on form i mean we don't have to talk about it much so we've pretty much hit all the points here let's go to the front three um Saka, we're doing fully fit. So Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, Rashford. I mean, I think Vagoris would be there. Will as the striker for United. Um, yeah. and then Anthony on the right. Um, I mean, I'm going with Arsenal here. Will.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely Arsenal. The top. Yeah. Um, but he
0: gets- yeah. Jesus me. Oh. Um, so let's move on from that. Will straight up, United are good. United are back. Arsenal are also very good, two of the hottest teams in Europe right now, even though they both aren't in the Champions League, which is weird. Um, But let's talk about our team real quick, Will. Just real quick. Will and I, I will say this, Will and I text each other after every Chelsea game. The last two weeks after Southampton, call each other at halftime. We're like, okay, we'll call each other back after the game, see what happens. It's 0-0 at halftime, or it might have been 1-0 at halftime. Didn't text each other after. Didn't talk to each other until the United Barcelona game, and then after Tottenham as well. We did not say a word to each other because Chelsea are honestly a joke right now. Um, uh Potter in or Potter out? Will let's hear it.
1: I mean, the problem I have with a lot of Potter out people is um, they've been screaming out like after a left, last. They've been screaming out for a play, for a manager who. Who they can trust? Who's going to take them through a process? Who's going to struggle like Arteta, um, like you know some other managers that have taken time to get results? And then we go through a bad stretch of games, and all of a sudden they're Potter out, like just just flipping like that. So, it, like if if you're Potter out because you want to see ruthlessness again at Chelsea in terms of sacking a manager after poor running games, then that's fine. Personally, I was, I was in favor of the whole process thing. Now, results have gone a lot worse, um, and there's definitely been regression in a lot of the players. I think that's my biggest problem with Potter is he hasn't improved a single player since he's been here. Um, and well, most most players have gotten worse, in fact. Um, and, you know, confidence levels just seem to be so low right now. But I would give him until t- t- the end of the season, at least, and then see kind of... like how the vibe is around the locker room, because there's no point in sacking him right now. Um, when we have nothing to play for this season anyway, basically.
0: All right. So here's my take. First of all, I'm Potter out. Um, my take is two things. One, obviously the main point is the inconsistency in the starting 11 will has been a huge problem for me. Um, you look at how Arteta's has changed the culture at Arsenal this year, not because he's developed players. Like you said, is one of Potter's problems right now. Um, he's kept a consistent starting 11. They got to the top of the league early on in the season because of you had the consistent starting 11 of very good players who he developed. Um, and they don't have many different players that they had last year. They've just developed them and they kept the start constant starting 11. um, and then Potter, you know, obviously we have one of the biggest squads. Like, that's not a question or whatever. But pick your guys, give them a run of games, let them find form, and then stick with it or change it up if they're not consistent after many games. And then you could say, well, oh, well, he plays Kai Havertz every game. Well, we just talked about this off the pod. Like, he is one of the worst players I have ever seen in a Chelsea jersey. I didn't say that. He, oh, I said it. But he is so bad week in week out and is somehow staying in the team and then you want to look at like a Cucurella when we finished the january Chancery window he was also had a consistent run of games i don't understand the thought process of playing the bad players and like, and in a consistent run of games when you have like okay joe felix is understandable he's getting paid million a million a, dollars a game which is absolutely nuts but you have a guy like none madweke Mudric, um david fofana like all three of these guys are class players. Mudrick was supposed to be world class when we brought him in. Enzo is world class, and he'll get consistent running games because he's very good. But Mudric has a bad game in his first start, gets pulled off at half, gets sick the next game, gets put on as a sub the next game, I'm pretty sure, and then doesn't play this weekend until the last five minutes. I mean, Will, what's your take on this inconsistent starting eleven for Chelsea? Because I, I hate it. It's so I, I don't like it. I think Madueke has performed very well, um, when he's been on, but he can't find form. Same with Mudric, they just can't find form because they don't play.
1: I, I, I can't believe Ziesch started this weekend, to be honest, over Madueke. That was a shocking decision. But I don't want to make excuses for Potter. But when you have so many injuries and illnesses, like, like it is hard. It is hard to pick a team, especially when, especially when Potter is feeling the pressure and he knows he needs to win games. Now he's gonna play the team every week, not based on development or anything like that, but just to get a result in his eyes, because he knows that you know, like, like he has like one more strike and then he's out. Um, because you know a majority of Chelsea fans, I would say, are Potter out. So, um, like. In his defense, that is true, but then again, like, it's not like he's picking a team that's winning either. Um, so, I see what you mean, and it, it does seem like he's crushed the confidence of uh, Mikhailo Mudric a bit, which is sad to see. And, like, even, like, Carney Chukwemeka wasn't even on the bench, um, and Potter just said it was because, was, you know...
0: He was unfortunate to miss out.
1: Yeah, he was unfortunate to miss out. I think there was another player that I'm missing. Fofana. Uh, is it Fofana? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and you bring, like, some players that are pretty suspect on the bench as well, um, and you're not giving. So, yeah, it, it's hard to see a vision from Potter, like, what he wants to be in the future, and I think that's another big problem is, like, you can't see the style that he's trying to implement. He, You can't see, you know, if he's trying to develop players, if he's trying to win now, like, it's pretty confusing, and... Um, like he just seems like a guy that's pretty lost.
0: Um I, I just kinda wanna like counter the defending right there. Well it's like the counter to the to the injuries and stuff is like, yeah, sure, an excuse early on when we weren't getting results when he first came in after the World Cup or whatever, you had Mason Mount out, you had Reese James, Ben Chilwell, and you are still injured, um coming back soon hopefully. Um, Mendy, all these guys injured. Um Wesley Fofana, but you look at it now, and Conte is the only one injured now. Will, and we're still not getting results. You've seen Reece James the past couple of weeks. You've seen Ben we You've seen Mason Mount. These guys, like they're not getting results with healthy players. Fofana's back, and Golo Conte is really the only one with an injury. Obviously, Osprey had a very unfortunate injury last week at Southampton. We won't talk about that um, yeah. because I think the Southampton player is lucky to uh, uh, be playing right now, which is honestly uh, very disappointing. They were clattering into us a lot will but um i just think that there's nothing to defend him at this point you can't say that we're in we we have injuries anymore you can't say that you know we are not you're not getting results from players which he's not but at the same time you're not playing the players that should be playing um it's just yeah yeah we could move on from chelsea though um kind of my last question here will before we wrap this pod up is who is in a worse situation, Chelsea or Liverpool? This has been a question all season.
1: Yeah, I I mean in terms of right now, the current run of form, it's undoubtedly Chelsea. Like I think it's three wins in 16 games. Haven't, like yeah, haven't won an away game since like November or something. Just lost to Spurs for the first time in like a bunch of years, like I don't even know how many. Um so like Right now it's Chelsea, um, but just in terms of like investing in the club and having ambitious owners and having Paul to bring in like world class players. Looking ahead in the future, like you have to say Chelsea. Like if they figure out the manager situation, is in a better situation. I mean, like you just have to say that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I disagree. I think Liverpool's in a I think Chelsea's in a worse spot right now because, yes, you can look in the future and stuff, but they have a constant, and that's Jurgen Klopp. Chelsea have no guarantees at the manager's spot, and when you're trying to rebuild like what they are doing right now, um, that's probably one of the most important things. So I think Chelsea are in a worse spot right now. Um, Liverpool are also in a very bad spot. They just got absolutely obliterated by Madrid midweek, which is super embarrassing, at Anfield as well, which we are not used to seeing. Um... But I mean that's gonna wrap it up for this podcast. Uh very yes. good combo. Yeah, what's up? One last
1: thing. One yeah. last thing. The FIFA awards are actually happening right now. Yeah, that's true. I just saw I mean, Emmy Martinez won the best goalkeeper of the year. We mm-hmm. talked on that.
0: I think that's a disgrace. to Thibaut Courtois. Courtois. Yes. Uh, that's crazy. A couple of good games in the World Cup is not gonna get you that. I mean, he made the save of the century against France in the final. Whatever, but, I mean, he wasn't, like, insane. It, he's not the best goalie gotta, in the world. It's got to be Courtois. Like, he Shirley, went back she... and played Charlton away on a Sunday. Like, <laughs> it's it's he's not the best goalie in the world. Let's relax with that. I mean, Martina stuff. And then Scaloni as well. I saw one coach of the year. I don't have a problem with that, Will.
1: Wait, did did Jorginho win that, that award? Huh? I think Jorginho might have won that award. No, the
0: coach of the year? No, the player of the year. What? Not this year, but like a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, 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 he did. No, but I'm talking about the Argentina coach, Scaloni one coach of the year this year. I don't have a problem with that. Oh.
1: Um. Yeah, me neither. Me
0: neither. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Good combo as usual. We'll be back probably next week um, for Champions League. Uh, get back into that. Unfortunately, you know, we couldn't get one in last week or the week before, but there's a week break and then it's back, so we'll be back. Um, Will, thanks for coming on as usual. Thanks for having me again. Um, once again, uh, the pod was yesterday. Tune into the Jake Fegan interview before their uh, game against GBS tomorrow night. Uh, if you're listening to this, please come to that game. There's going to be a lot of people there. It's a huge game for Nutri basketball. So come to that, um, and we will catch you next time on Petty Pod.